Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane on Friday, June the 19th. This week's issue of the Lancet is dominated by a health policy article. This documents the remarkable work of the World Health Organization's Maximising Positive Synergies Collaborative Group, which, in simple terms, assesses the impact of major global health initiatives, such as the Global Fund for AIDS, TB and Malaria, but also considers the effect of these major global health initiatives on the health systems of the countries where these initiatives are prioritised and implemented. In a moment, we'll hear from experts from WHO at a media launch for this paper held in London on June 18th. Just before that, here is The Lancet's editor, Dr Richard Horton, giving his perspective on this important global health issue. There's an incredible controversy about the real impact of these big, what are now called global health initiatives, and what some have in the past called vertical programs. Gavi for vaccines, the Global Fund for AIDS, TB and malaria, PEPFAR, and also some of the World Bank's projects. And you have these big initiatives that sweep into country, give out millions of dollars, all for a good cause. But what impact do they really have? This is the question people ask. Now, of course, if you've got a, a fund going in, giving money, for example, for antiretroviral drugs. And of course, you're going to buy more drugs, get those drugs distributed to people. And that is an incredible success and one that we should celebrate. But what people who look at these programs ask is, well, that's all very well. You turn on the tap of money from a fund and you get more drugs into an area to treat conditions. But what about the long-lasting effects of that funding? Does that funding actually support the building up of a health system, a health service that serves people beyond just that specific initiative? And also that when the money stops running, there will still be some lasting benefit from the effects of that money. So that question has, for a decade now, hung over these global health initiatives. And what this project team has tried to do is to answer the question, what has been the impact? What this group did was effectively start off with a completely blank sheet of paper. There were some data out there, but not very good data. Most interestingly, there were the results of 15 unpublished studies, which have been commissioned to try and inform the answer to this question about global health initiatives and health system strengthening. And perhaps most importantly of all, there was no framework to think about this. So when you ask the question, do these initiatives affect health systems? Well, what's the endpoints? I mean, if we were doing a clinical trial, we'd have a set of pre-specified endpoints. We'd know what mattered. For a clinical trial, it would be how many people died after taking the drug or not. And here, what are the endpoints? And, and what this team from WHO have done is to take their so-called building blocks of what a health system is and try and measure the improvements in health systems against those building blocks. And the conclusion they come to is a very complex one. On the one hand, it is absolutely the case that global health initiatives have created some incredible successes. Getting drugs into populations where there were no medicines before has been a fantastic success. And it has, that extra investment has, in some cases, strengthened aspects of the health system. But there are also some examples of where there have been problems, where money coming into a particular area has crowded out funding for other aspects of the health system, where a government sees money coming into a particular health sector, they say, ah, oh, well, the Global Fund's doing that. We don't have to spend our money on this part of the health sector anymore, so the government stops funding. What this report shows is there are some advantages, 
but there are some unanticipated adverse effects of global health initiatives. And it's the unanticipated adverse effects that we need to be really anxious about fixing. There's no question that for the majority of low-income countries particularly, but also for many middle-income countries, they're starting off from a low base. They have weak health systems, and so it's very difficult for them to deal with these complex health problems that they're facing. And indeed, money coming in from any source is of some benefit, whether it's for that particular targeted intervention or more generally for the health sector. More money is needed. And that's a benefit that we should acknowledge. I think the difficulty is that when money comes in especially a large amount of money, it does swamp other activities, especially if you have it coming in from multiple sources. Often PEPFAR, the Global Fund, Gavi, World Bank will come in and they will want, quite rightly, to make sure that the money they're investing is working. So they create a bureaucracy around that funding. They create a monitoring and evaluation mechanism, processes to monitor the flows of that money and its impacts. But you can imagine that each fund has its own bureaucracy separate from the health system and suddenly you've got all these transaction costs you've got these parallel bureaucracies all these people drawn out of the health sector managing these programs and so it kind of acts as this sort of huge magnet pulling people into these programs which can then leach out resources from other often equally sometimes more important programs in the health sector and that's why we have to look at the balance between these vertical programs the initiatives and also horizontal health health system strengthening the areas that have suffered most are maternal and child health I would say particularly maternal health has, has really missed out on getting benefits from health sector strengthening, but also neglected tropical diseases and also a big issue emerging in lower middle income countries now, and that's non-communicable diseases especially cardiovascular disease and cancer. These areas are just simply being missed out totally. And it's partly because we're driven very much by the Millennium Development Goals that have particularly focused on HIV, HTB and malaria. The problem is we don't have a global fund for maternal, newborn and child health. So what do you do with these existing funds? I think there's a very good case now to say, look, we have these billions of dollars in the global fund. We have these billions of dollars in Gavi and we have these billions of dollars in PEPFAR. Do we not need to rethink their purpose? Do we not need to say, look, there are a whole set of interventions that go beyond HTB, malaria and vaccination that could make an incredibly lasting impact on the health of populations in low and middle income countries? Should we not be looking at a way to expand the coverage of these three great funds, which we're very welcome to have, but they are very narrow? Should we be not looking to expand their impact into these other areas? And I think there is a growing movement to do just that. And this report, one I think objective of this report is to look at the case for rethinking how this money is spent. There are two competing philosophies here that are in a little conflict. One philosophy says, don't get in my way. I know how to treat malaria, how to treat HIV AIDS. I need to get these medicines into patients who are suffering these conditions. And I don't care if the health system is not perfect. I don't care if the economy of a country isn't working very well. I don't care if the governance of a country isn't great. If I get these drugs to this person, I can solve their health problem. And you know, that is a passionate human rights approach to health and is absolutely right. 
The other philosophy is equally valid, which is it's no good just going in with a targeted intervention to a patient because that's not going to help the overall level of population health. If we're trying to build a strong, solid population here, we're trying to improve the health status of everybody, you have to do things for everybody. You can't just solve it by doing things for one person at a time. You have to build a system, and a system is much more complex than just getting a drug to a person at a particular moment. And those two competing philosophies are ancient, they've gone on for centuries, and they're just being played in a different generation now in a global setting. But what this report is saying is it's not a choice between either one or the other. What this report is saying is we need to capitalize on the advantages of what the global health initiatives have given us. And there are huge advantages. But we also need to be honest about the disadvantages and we need to fix them. They can be fixed and we need to fix them urgently. Let's hear now from the Deputy Director General for Health Systems at the World Health Organization, Carissa Etienne, speaking at the Maximising Positive Synergies launch held in London on Thursday, June 18th. We are in the midst of a global economic crisis, a crisis that should serve as a wake-up call to all of us, a call to improve efficiencies, a call to get better value for the money, to get rid of inequities, which can be social or economic, inequities that tend to become worse in crises like this one. But most of all, it is a wake-up call to improve health results. Positive Synergies is a unique kind of collaboration. This first major report is truly a report by stakeholders for stakeholders. We are gathering evidence together, and we all have an obligation to act on it. But what is that evidence? Since 2000, investment in disease-specific programs has rocketed, thanks to a great part to the Global Health Initiatives. Last year, investment in AIDS stood at some $10 billion. But this investment has been made with good results. Three million people in developing countries are on retroviral therapy. We see a similar picture for malaria, for TB, for immunization. Thanks again, in great part, to global health initiatives like Gavi, like Global Fund, and PEPFAR. The truth is, investments in health save lives. The truth is also, the less you spend on health, the more children die, and others as well. We are looking for ways to make the most of existing synergies and to create new ones where they don't exist. We also want to identify where things could go better and find ways to make this happen. We looked at some 20 countries, and these are some of the main findings of the, of the, of the work. Let us begin with what needs to go better. We need to address the fact that in some cases, external funding is crowding out domestic investment. In countries like Ethiopia, Mozambique, Uganda, and Zambia, we need to address the health worker issues, issues that see a shift in the health workforce from rural to urban, from public sector to private sector. 
There is a need to reduce the powerless structures and the poor coordination that leads to duplication and waste. There is room to harmonize reporting systems whose requirements currently overburden the health workforce. And there's a need to act on agreements, agreements like Paris and Accra, and take concrete steps to improve coordination, harmonization, and alignment. But the truth is that global health initiatives have contributed significantly to health. The positive impacts are indeed impressive. In the area of finance, we've seen a shift in scale from millions to billions of dollars in 10 years. We've seen the emergence of innovative financing mechanisms. We can think of unit aid, of the International Financing Facility, IFIM, for immunization and debt to health. Civil society, because of GHIs, they have played a leadership role in AIDS from the very beginning. They have consistently fought for human rights and to extend to vulnerable populations. Time and again, we have seen that people who are affected by a health issue, either directly or their families being affected, affected that they can contribute meaningfully to the ideas towards solution. Global health initiatives have delivered results. They have set big goals and they have achieved the three by five. Polio eradication, for instance. We have seen also that in some cases that primary care has been boosted because of the work of, of this global health initiative and disease-specific programs. In Haiti, for instance, the integration of the preventive and care programs from HIV-AIDS into primary care has resulted in increased vaccination, in increased child care, in increased treatment and care for TB, and also increasing family planning. I think in the area of information as well, there has been a major focus on monitoring and evaluation, on the scale of ensuring ONGAS reporting consistently. I think very importantly, all of the major global health initiatives have recognized the need to scale up health systems. And Gavi, Global Fund, and PEPFAR have all instituted health system windows. Indeed, the achievement is impressive. But it is not just a mixture of positive and negative. Sometimes it's also two sides of the same coin. GHIs have promoted the principle of free service at point of delivery. But at the same time, they've not systematically invested in prepayment schemes. GHIs have contributed to some aspects of health equity, but have not directly addressed some of the causes of, of, of inequality and inequity. So, emanating from the findings, we have some recommendations. Our recommendations seek to ensure better value for the money and more money for health. We believe that it is time to inject the health system strengthening agenda with the same ambition and drive that has propelled the global health initiatives. The same energy that got AIDS into the UN security agenda in 2000, this same energy must be put forward for health system strengthening. Global health initiatives have shown the benefits of setting targets 
for both funding and implementation, and we need to learn from them. We need to join up the dots, to plan together, to work together with countries in the driving seat. We need to make civil society involvement meaningful. Civil society has a vital role to play in governing health systems and in delivering services. And we need to build countries' capacity to generate and to use knowledge. Achieving greater synergies between global health initiatives and health systems, but also improving health systems, will require a massive effort. Indeed, one that requires each one of us to do our share and to chip in. Everyone, all of us, and every one of you in this room today. WHO has convened a meeting in Venice that will take place next week, Monday and Tuesday. We have invited and, and, and will be represented some 35 ministers of health, some top international health experts, including the leadership of global health initiatives, implementers, civil society, and academia. Participants will discuss the recommendation. They will agree on next steps and will issue a statement of commitment. Each of us will ensure, however, that the scale-up that is necessary occurs to achieve better value for the money and more money for health results. Many thanks to all the contributors to this week's podcast. See you next week.